Welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, the legend, I say that with capital L, legend that is Liam Morgan, who not only has a beautifully trimmed head of hair, you see, I did, was I was getting close, I didn't go there, beautifully trimmed head of hair that's um, curly and lovely, and he's also just ripped out his, his fin out of your quad. Set. You just lost the fin, didn't you? We've just been yeah. surfing. I'm on the McFanny, so I've got to surf like him. <laughs> and because of me, we've been doing all these kettlebells in our in our break. Hello, strangers. Hello, stranger. Back again after a few weeks off. Yeah, I lost a fin. I think I'm just going to have to dial down the leg strength. I know. It's just <laughs> <laughs> such a load of bullshit. Yeah. In there. I love that. Welcome I've to the that... overconfident surfers. Yeah, yeah. I've done that before where I've ripped out a fin. I've done a lot of that. And oh yeah, you know it's oh it's obviously just just powerful. No, mate, it's not. Uh, it just happened to rip out. I just hit the pebbles on the way in. Actually, <laughs> if anybody wants a real story, <laughs> yeah. Well, we have had a little break, haven't we? And we've had a holiday. I, I was away for about nine, ten days, and on the north coast. Yeah, and it was really good. We had a little bit of surf at the start. We had four or five days of longboarding surf and dialing in nose riding and trying to hang five and occasionally hang 10. I mean, I didn't hang 10, I don't think fully, but it felt like my feet were right at the edge mm. of the board and doing all that kind of stuff. And I got a very, very generous friend who says I should do contest longboarding, but I don't think he really has a great insight into actual how good contest longboarders are. Yeah. Oh, you remind me of a young Ben Skinner. Well, exactly. But it's one of those ones where I think in this country, I think certainly where we live, getting better at longboarding is, is probably quicker if you really wanted to pursue your longboarding, you could do it faster than your shortboarding, that's for sure. Unless you lived down the end of Cornwall. I don't know. Or in right. Ireland or Scotland, for example. There's lots of like very, very punchy um, shortboardy type waves where we live, but they just have to be in a certain location. Most of the Southwest, really, if we're honest, is a sort of longboardy, fishy, puddle jumpery yeah. vibe, isn't it? So, Mushburger riding specials. Mushburgers. But How but was your break, dude? You well, were away as well. Well, I didn't have as long a break as you, but I was in and out of like different places, uh, all within the local area. I went to all places, Paul Zeth. Mm. Now, I'm just going to say the name. And if you live in the UK, yeah, you know when you get these sort of, uh, and I'm sorry for the, it's a beautiful beach. It's part of a beautiful Cornwall. It's lovely. But holy moly, I have never seen water busier than that place in my life. And some of the horrendous things I've seen in there while I was there will stay with me forever. It's the stuff of nightmares. So it requires quite a degree of both patience and um, mindfulness to navigate the crowds. So did oh, you but it's a celebrity crowd as well down there, you know. You get the great and the good in Paul Zeth, always. You saw some celebs in the world. Oh, you've always seen celebs down there. Cele- celebs, as they're called. Celebs. You? you don't see a lot of plebs because it's quite a posh place. But you, it means if it was crowded, you probably wore your wetsuit. This time you normally go nude, but you you get you didn't get the cave out then. Oh, <laughs> you would have to be quite the exhibitionist to would, surf naked and pull I, I, I would call it the Irish cave because you've got the your Please, Irish roots. I've just you? I just ignore this uh, chatter. Yeah, yeah no. But no, it's just look lovely place. Everybody's having a good time. We're all just here to have a good time, aren't we? Yeah. But, wow. 
I'll get into it later. I've seen some stuff there that will just burn on the back of my retinas. On this topic, I was joined for a surf by a very good friend called Ryan Dryden. Ryan, if you're listening, hello, mate. It's lovely to surf with you. We had a lovely little surf together on a dawny, beautiful sunrise over the dunes at, at Croyd. And again, you'll probably have heard of that beach if you're in the UK. If you're not, it's just a re- it's really worth checking out on Magic Seaweed. Have a little look at the photos. It does absolutely pump at Croyd on its day. And we had a lovely little two-foot sort of dawny, incredible sunrise. And we got chatting and he was chatting to me about this puddle jumper he just sold. He Now, he had bought a second-hand one himself, upon my recommendation, by the way, and hadn't necessarily fallen out of love with it, but more just wasn't riding it. And just tends to ride his foamy nowadays, seven foot, just one board, that's it, done. Which I think a lot of people have done, by the way, which is great. He knows what he wants to do, that's it, that's cool. And he met this chap down in, in uh, Newquay by the name of Glenn Morrissey. Now, Glenn, if you're listening... Not the, not Morrissey. It could, well, <laughs> could be. Heaven knows I'm miserable now. <laughs> but yeah, Glenn. Glenn Morrissey wanted to buy this puddle jumper off my mate Ryan. He said he listens... You know, Ryan said, you know, has anyone recommended the, the puddle jumper to you? And he said, yeah, I listen to these guys. There's this guy called Will, he's a legend. This other guy, Liam, he's a bit of a knob. But I listened to them both online called The Mindful Surfers. Well, we um, found our one listener there. We've, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. You're holding up the show here, man. Yeah. Him and, and Matt Biolos. Him two, and Matt. Sorry, the two listeners. The two listeners. Yeah, he said, you know, because we've talked a lot about puddle jumpers, that he, he uh, wanted to get one on that recommendation. So, Glenn, if you are listening, awesome work, man. You're going to love that board. I would recommend on the fins just a standard thruster. Occasionally, I've tweaked with quads, quads, this, that, you need a really large set of side fins for the quads. If you're going to do on the puddle jumper, it's such a wide tailboard. Mm. You want to wear your, wear, <laughs> you want to ride your sort of twinny side fin as your front fin. You don't want to put in a standard set of quads into a board that wide in the tail. Really large set of side fins. And then your rear fins are just your normal rear quad fins. And then it holds a bit more. But overall, I, I mean, I've tweaked God knows how many times, 50, 100 times on my puddle jumper with the fins. Oh, yeah. And I still go back over and over and over again to just standard thruster because the board is so chaotic and so radical and wants to go so fast and be tight in the pocket and all these things, take off early, you name it. You then want some order at the tail because otherwise it can get a bit too much. You, you end up losing traction and sliding out and da, 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 da. But I'm actually riding at a mid-length now. I'm absolutely loving it. I was riding it on my holiday. Oh, he's got the he's in the mid-length gang. I've gone I've gone full Torrin Martin and gone mid-length twin. And it's not supposed to be ridden as a twin, this new one I've got. It's a 7-0. It's a mal, basically. It's a mini mal. It, no, it is. It's just a mini mal. But the it's, marketing department have had a go at it. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, hey, mate, what should we call these uh, mini mals now? They're not selling. Mid-length. <laughs> That's actually funny for you, dude. That's yeah. actually genuinely enjoyable <laughs> yeah. to listen to. It's so fucking true. Isn't Get it? Merrick to make one. It's it like, oh, Minimal? No, I don't have to surf Minimal. Minimal. I'm 300... way too good for that. Minimal, 350 quid. Mid-length, 780. It's fucking truth, man. It's true, I tell you. Honestly. Uh, but um, but it's been good. It's been on. fun. It's been fun. And it, you can sort of nose ride past sections that I would normally try and pump past. And that's it's nice. I get out of the water and my knee is a little bit less sore and back's a little bit less stiff. It's a nice feeling. I think what's interesting, though, we talked about this a number of times on the show, that we adapt to things and we want novelty in life. But I know for sure, give it a couple of surfs and I'll be like, fuck, where's that puddle jumper? Yeah. Where's my shortboard? And I want to rip. I want to I push it. 
But that's the joy of surfing. Endless, endless options. Just where it, do you want to go with it? It is a good board that you've got, though, that jokes aside. We surfed micro-surf just before we both went away. That was like a foot. It was a foot at best. And Maybe it was, half. We were just sort of scratching around. and It moves very, very well on very, very small surf. It's a very kind of narrow rail at the back, isn't it? So it, I was quite uh, taken with how well it was moving around. It's a nice nose rider. It's got that nose riding option. And then if you just want to step back to the tail, you can whip it around nicely it's one of the, it's like in terms of liters it's a 50 liter board my puddle jump is 45 so it's not some huge 65 70 liter longboard foamy type vibe you can really move that thing around i'm excited to get it out on a proper day with just the thrusters in the back yeah and just see where you can take it on the lip because i reckon you could big enough fast enough face yeah. you get it vertical up into yeah. the lip and it, it would be cool because then you could sort of nose ride past bits and get in really early and, you know and we and we talked about this with, with my surfing that the hardest thing i've always found over 15 years of surfing is my snap still is today so that's probably why i've lent just recently towards longer boards because mm. they just get me in that bit earlier but you're loving your puddle i got this luke young mid-length it is a mid-length really it's kind of more of a big boy shortboard, isn't it it's in the dimes and i sort of haven't been riding it because i've got very lazy to an extent that on the mush in the really kind of small days and especially when you're in the crowd you know i was just referencing crowded summer beach breaks which we've when there's been a bit of surf i mean it's been where i was it was just nuts in terms of how, how busy it was but i ride the mick fanning foamy and because it's a complete stoke machine you're not taking it too seriously but it's soft and if you run into someone it's fine it just means that i go like puddle fanning puddle fanning puddle fan and then if it's kind of a little bit hollower the luke short which is a sort of a board that uh, yeah you like that, that one. I really like that kind of works really it's well. It's like for a six two twenty yeah, it, but it's really now it's got kind of real it comes in really yes. sort of narrow at the back. And you tend to sort of from all the you know when we think about the early episodes that we did, I was just trying board after board after board. The kind of now the puddle, the foamy, and the Luke short really I quite like going to those three boards. I'd really like to try low literage short board to try and put into practice at places like the Wave some of the coaching that we talked about and I've seen Clayton sort of talking about in terms of actually really then surfing the wave. Because the boards that I'm riding, there's no question that sometimes they're doing some of the surfing. They're racing away so quickly that it prevents you from trying some of the things that you would like to do to develop your technical aspects of surfing. But in terms of having the best time and great fun, that fanning 510 Little Marley has been brilliant, brilliant fun. You use it a bunch. It's yeah. really cool, man. It's got a lovely colour as well. Yeah. I love that blue on top. Yeah. I can always spot you in the water. I'm like, there he is. Yeah. He's got his little blue fanning. And even if the waves are a foot, you're out on that thing. And it, yeah. geez, it catches waves. It catches waves. It's, it's like- super flat. It's soft on your feet. Yeah. Foamies, I can see why people are so into foamies. Yeah. One thing I want to mention on, on our intro today is um, it's remarkable just how positive we would be yeah. in relation to the way we see the world when you then start comparing and dare we compare but more just use other people as a sort of example of how we all are and how different we all are and this is then not a judgment whatsoever but there was this guy and i met a couple of them like this maybe two or three on the holiday who i was like you know how's your surf i was having a shower how's your surf and oh, i was crowded oh, okay yeah yeah so yeah we just i couldn't just couldn't get over that and we go to a beach and won't name the beach because let's not reveal the spots too much but we go to a beach um a lot and it was where i was on on this holiday and we just run down the beach i mean literally having millionaire surfing whole place yourself you might get the odd stand-up paddler join you or longboard or whatever or someone else with the same sort of mindset join you but the idea that you have to surf right on the point 
where it's most crowded, it's just, it's really mind-blowing to me. But I guess, you know, listen, there's two things here. One, we're all different. And dare I say what someone should do? Because that's just my opinion. That's not this show at all. It's hopefully not life. It's not us as humans in general. Jesus Christ. We're all trying to just get along and accept each other as we are. And then two, if there is that bit in you that wants to explore the possibility of having more uncrowded ways that maybe might not be quite as good as the ones that have the crowd on, then shit, just go and explore it. And this whole idea of following the herd and being that sheep is, is, is a very normal and understandable and human thing to do. But what we're going to do in this surfing life, if you want less crowded conditions, is think for yourself. And it's so obvious. As soon as you say it out loud, it's the most obvious thing. Now, listen, it might involve harder paddles. It might involve messier conditions. It might involve longer walks. It might involve parking further away from, you know, yeah. there will be some sort of duality involved in stepping outside the herd and finding an uncrowded wave. But fucking hell, is it worth it? You can't change the fact that it's crowded. You're not going to magic all of those people away, but you can change your approach to it. And I had to do it myself. I found myself nearly slipping into, oh, oh, bloody hell, it's full of, insert whatever judgmental phrase I want to put in, kooks, grockles, emmets, whatever you're allowed to call tourists down in the Southwest, of which I was one, by the way. But well, California v- Valley kids. Yeah. Because they came from the valley. Yeah, and you're just but like, yeah. well, you know, most people, 99% of people in there are just out for the same reason, like to have a good time. Just varying degrees of skill levels. I think the thing that kind of makes it frustrating is the safety zone part because there's some ridiculous stuff that I'm surprised no one's been seriously hurt or worse down in those some of those really crowded spots because people haven't got the appropriate board for their skill level. That's my only kind of gripe. But everybody's really just in the water to catch waves, swim around, have a good time. And, you know, I have to remind myself of that when there's loads of people knocking about. So, so true. Yeah. And what I find humbling is when I'm in a good mood yeah. and my vibe is high, I can go out into a crowded lineup with total acceptance. It is what it is. And I'm going to have a fucking good time. I'm just going to mill around on the inside if I have yeah. to. I might just, do you know what? Fuck it. I might just literally just, I'm in such a good mood. I'm just going to catch this wave on my, my 8.6 longboard foamy thing I've got, which I ride all the time. And I'm just going to boogie board this fucker into the water. Like, do you know what I mean? You know when you don't give a shit because you're just so happy to be in the water anyway. On those days when it is crowded, and I had that uh, two, two and a half weeks ago, the first day I had the new mid length out in good surf. And I was in that mood and I was getting wave after wave after wave after just getting so many waves. Because you're just, you're attracting them. You're in that high, high vibe. Sometimes it's worse when it's a lineup of, dare I say, inverted commas, good or competent surfers. That crowd can be worse than a summer tourist crowd. Oh, yeah. Because there's way more gnarly judgment and ego floating around. Mm -hmm. But if you can just take a breather and navigate your way through people on like inflatable flamingos and all that sort of jazz, (laughs) you're having a good time. (laughs) I've got to mention something, actually. And listen, you need to... Shut your mouth when I say this, all right? That's no, right. my only Zipped. thing that I, I'm going to say in advance. Keep your lips sealed because I know this is going to be difficult for you. But I did have on that very day. I was in my mid-length and I got some paddle power and I know I can get a lot of waves. And I do get a lot of waves. And what happened was I was getting a silly amount of waves. There were all these, dare I say, kooks. I just, we just, we've come away from that word. It's a word we use fly away with mates, but really just surfers beginners people in that sort of um early stage of the journey let's call it that i was just getting a hell of a lot of waves because it just everyone seemed to be milling around i said well, i'll get another one another one i know i was on maybe 15 waves by the time you know dave and jane out the back had not had a single wave right and this happens to us both all the time and this one guy 
took a bit of uh, disliking to this. And I, <laughs> I do this thing with a lot of surfers. And it is pure fucking judgment. It is. And Liam's like, oh, fuck, right. This is where i got to start speaking up, right? So I'll be looking at him going, nah, you're not that fit. You're not that strong. And you got a little 5'8 timber tech he was on. And I'm paddling next to him. Now, is this right? No, it's not. Am I greedy as fuck? Yeah, of course I am. I'm just like every other surfer. I just want to get the most amount of waves possible. We're all human here. And I'm watching him. And this is maybe my, my 16th wave in like 15 minutes. And he's paddling, paddling. And I'm not in the takeoff spot because he's inside me. It's a right-hander. He's on my left-hand side. So it's his wave. But I thought, I'll just just go with him because I just am not sure he's going to... I'm really... I doubt he's going to get this. So I thought, I'll just trickle, just trickle. And he missed it. And I quickly went. And he shouted like, will you fucking go then? And I sort of rode the wave like this. And I was triggered because I could tell he was pissed off with me. He hadn't caught the wave. Fuck it, I'm going. I'm going to catch it. I went down the beach a bit. So right, I'm going to give that guy some space and I'm going to go down here for a while. Yeah, he's having a bad day. He's having a bit of a bad day. And he was, he, and he, I kept watching him and he was struggling for, he was going for the, A, the wrong waves that were never going to break. B, the ones he was going for, he was kind of getting pitched. And he was that kind of classic character of really putting out this front of, I am a surfer. Bob surfers. I am a special surfer. I am incredible. Look at me holding this tiny little board and actually couldn't surf at all. But the thing with it was, as I was paddling away, we're all going to get this in surfing. We're all going to get triggered. It's a very interesting place to get triggered because you think, oh, it's just happiness in surfing. Well, guess what? (laughs) Even a year of experience. And if you haven't been triggered by someone in the water or something, right. So we're going to get triggered. It's how you manage and deal with the trigger after. And um, it was a couple of things. One, it was deep breathing, obviously, just because I was really like, fuck this guy, piss this guy off. And now he's over there and he's looking at me. He's giving me eyes and all sorts. And then the next bit is, as as I'm starting to calm down and I did dose off my wave count. I sort of thought, right. I'm, and I let one go through and just sort of, it's that bit of mindfulness where it's like, I know I'm way fitter than everyone here. I know I could just paddle and paddle and paddle and get wet. But actually I just, I know I'm, I'm being greedy. And I just was like, yeah, I've had a load of waves already, 20 odd waves in like half an hour. Let's just simmer it off and back off like that. I think one of the things in, in my defense, I'm already, I'm already defending myself before you speak, where we live, we have endless waves because we have this short period swell. We always get... Um, when it works, yeah. When it works, it's like seven seconds, roughly, eight-second period. So wave after wave. So it doesn't. we don't have a kind of classic lineup like that. So we get very, very fit where we are as well for, for waves, don't we? Yeah. I know you always get a ton of waves when you're in lineups. Um, a lot of surfers on the North Coast have to really wait for sets, like, what, 10-minute wait, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then a set comes in. You and I, where we live, poof. You get very surf fit because yeah. you just relentlessly wave after wave after wave. There's no let up in the paddle. None. It's true though, isn't it? It's navigating those things. That's always tricky. You know, we talk a lot about surfing and we've lived this ourselves. Is you go, well, your vision of yourself as a surfer and the ego that's sort of all around that, when it meets reality sometimes is when you as a surfer yourself can get triggered. So when you're talking about this chap and he's, he's kind of a bit upset because you're, it's as much that is a reminder of where the fragility or the improvements need to be, but without the sort of sense of saying, well, you know, what do I need to do to improve so that the next time I am getting into those waves and then I am going to be catching those waves. Uh, you know, it can put people off if you're paddling alongside them, Will. <laughs> and you go, go on, go on your wave, your wave. Liam's and then you're like, on it. <laughs> Liam's like, the amount of fucking times yeah. you've done that to me. Until you just oh, have to get fit enough to catch up. And then you're like, okay, yeah, well, okay. This, I'm on it now. But this get one, off this, my way. Right. This is what happens now. Because in our journey, we've been on yeah. this podcast. You weren't anywhere near no. as fit as you are now. So I do have to kind of 
Mostly, just go, yeah, Liam's paddling for it, that's it. Yeah, it's just steroids, mate. It's just steroids, isn't it? It's steroids. But no, it's interesting. And, you know, some of our non this is non judgment, it's just a joke. We referenced pub surfers before, and you, you know, you get a lot of these guys, and mostly guys, I have to say, it tends to be very male dominated, the, the pub surfer. Explain to me, what is the dictionary definition the pub, of a pub the, surfer? The pub surfer is in the thatch, let's say. Well, to Americans it's, who don't know what a pub is, what is it, like a bar? A bar, yeah. Right. They're at the bar. And they are telling you how well they get barreled every single time. And that, you know, yeah, I surfed there and um, got barreled at Pipeline, <laughs> me and Jamie. But, you, you know, and you're like, wow, wow, this guy knows it. They look just like they would definitely get out of a magazine, surf magazine. And then you catch sight of them surfing and you're like, wow, that's a different person. Yeah. I just seen your twin brother surfing. Is he, is he beginning? Is he learning? I mean, maybe that's in a way, why some people are in it, just to kind of pub surf. And I've been the guy, just in terms of enjoying the stories more than the actual uh, surfing. It's the crossover. The meeting of ego and, and, and reality can be a painful place to be. And we've all done it when we tell surf stories. Well, we've all elaborated. Yeah. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. How big was it? Well, have you been to Missouri? <laughs> <laughs> bit, bit, that answer. Yeah. How big was the fish you caught? This big, brother. <laughs> So true. Yeah, amazing. so true. And we've got to give ourselves the freedom and to roam in that way, non-judgmentally as well, because we, we love telling stories as humans and yes. humans love hearing them. Amen to that. And let that be enjoyable. Yeah. And if that's what someone loves, yeah. crack on, go for it. And we've said this many times, fuck, do you know, or we know, I know how I surf. All I know is how I feel when I surf. And that's all it's about. And if you feel amazing when you surf and then you want to go in the pub and the bar... And tell people how amazing it was and how big it was and how amazing you were when you did what you did. What the fuck? As long as you're not <laughs> making people fall asleep in front of you, yeah. which might happen, obviously. I mean, and dude, I love a pub story as much as anybody. Yeah, damn straight. So anyway, God bless the pub surfers. God bless. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at The Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends? Or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Because the more ratings we have the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. Moving on, segment number two, the mindful surfer, just a little couple of moments, just check in with the breathing and uh, restore that peace into the present moment. So take a breath in through your nose and breathe out. And breathe in. And breathe out. And breathe in. And breathe out. Couple more breaths. Take a deep breath in through your nose. And breathe out. And then one more breath in through your nose. And breathe out. There are a number of potential triggers in surfing, to name but a few. Family, work, stopping you from getting in the waves, uh, injuries, traffic, the drive down there, and traffic, crowded surf, injuries and niggles creeping up when you actually get into the water, you know, your old knee problem coming up 
actually when you start riding in the ocean, I mean, you might have a, a feeling of fear of your own safety with other surfers in the water or the size of the waves it might be putting that in to you a little bit where you're feeling a bit unsafe or whatever it might be. But we're dealing in surfing with, with triggers and the key to managing the trigger is to never get rid of it, but to work your way through it with firstly self-awareness that you have been triggered because that's the hardest part for most if not all unconscious humans, obviously, because if you're not even conscious, if the lights are out, how can you know that you're being triggered? How can you know what the difference between calm and stress is when you only know stress as your mode of operating in the world? So thankfully with surfers, because of the back door, it gives you into mindfulness and because of the way surfers are, generally we're mindful folk in the beginning. So you'll, there'll be the initially self-awareness, mm-hmm. like, whoa, I'm getting stressed. Once you've got that, you've got everything else. Because then once you're aware that you're getting out of your center, then you just start deep breathing it's as simple as that you just start taking deep breaths and you just when the breathing changes the biology the biochemistry of your endocrine system hormones start changing again back from cortisol and adrenaline to serotonin and it might take a while that's why like i said it's never about getting rid of you can't get rid of a trigger by getting a wave but it can help but the mind will still be there so we've got to eventually what to do is rather than try and distract ourselves from the trick is try and lean into it So lean into it. Where is it? What's happening? How is it manifesting? What kind of thoughts are going on? Where is the feeling in my body? Really lean in fully. Expose yourself to it. Where is it? I want this. I want to, I want to see where this is. And then when you're in that, in that space, it's a bit like Eckhart Tolle, who we've mentioned many times on the show. He has a wonderful analogy in his book, The Power of Now, Mm. which is, I think, one of, if not the greatest self-help book of all time, other than uh, A New Earth as well, his other one. Two, two amazing books. He has the analogy of being mindful of your triggers in the sense that it's like a mouse, sorry, a cat sitting outside a mouse hole. You've got to be like that, ready like that. Where is it? What's it? Oh, there's the mouse. Like, just watch it. Just be able to see it. Be alert to it. Stay present with it. And you'll notice that they are just thoughts and it is just feelings. And those things are always temporary and they always pass. Yeah. yeah. If you're there with the breathing, it'll, it'll pass. It does. It does. And a bit like the sort of old cliche to say, if you try and hide from the monster and you ignore it's there, it's always more frightening than if you shine a light on it and face what it is and why it's irritating or why it's frightening you. To have awareness or an acknowledgement that it is there, but you're going to have a look at it and you're going to face it down and you're going to work on how to deal with it is way better than hiding it, sweeping to the carpet, bottling it up, so on and so forth. But no, Eckhart Tolle's books are very, very good for that. Just And in some ways, just working out a very least, it's, it's sort of a little guide sometimes as a reminder to, well, how do I deal with this? I'm feeling like this. What do I do? And just in reading a few of his sentences, I find that very, in itself, very calming. You know, if, if I've had a bad day, I'll just sort of dip into some of the books and go, okay, yeah, I know what, that's what it's about. It's not that bad. And it's sort of a reminder of how to deal with those triggers. Because yeah, like you say, well, they're not going to go away, are they? You're always going to have crowded lineups you're always going to have busy beaches for example when you relate related to surfing in your life you're always gonna have people who you know press your buttons and in a way it's because that's within you you can't control what they're doing but you can certainly change the pattern of thinking or behavior that you exhibit or that you're prone to rather than running away from those triggers or rather than trying to change the people that are triggering you we always say don't we on on this thing and, and whether it relates to life or surfing you change your internal either perception or ways of dealing with those situations or thoughts. It's very, very true. It's one of those ones where I think in surfing, you can end up getting sort of pulled into a negativity in the culture, that is. Because although it sort of markets itself as happiness, surfing, 
there's a real underbelly. There's a real, in surfing, there's a, once you get to know surfers in communities and you listen to surfers in, who come down and hang out in the car parks, the overall conversations, you sort of get these little snapshots of them. They're very, very negative. Yeah. And that's what I really like about the likes of, of Ben Gravy, who's worth checking out on YouTube if you've not seen Ben Gravy. Because what he's done is, is say, okay, well, look, we know we're going to surf really like crumbly, small, one to two feet conditions as almost your average for your beach break around, dare I say the world, but let's just call it that for now. You know, Costa Rica doesn't pump all year. South Africa doesn't pump all year. Australia doesn't pump all year. It's that, yeah, you have your seasons. You do. Now we got our winter season coming soon and it'll pump a bit more. But pretty much everywhere in the world, you deal with this kind of this mean average of crumbly, small one to three foot surf that isn't rippable. You can sort of go up and down on it just have a bit of gentle fun. But someone like Ben Gravy was able to say, no, I still love that. And that's okay. And I'm going to be vulnerable about it. I'm going to be honest about that. Because what the fuck is wrong with that? I want to just go in the sea. You might think I'm a coot. Go ahead. Yeah. It's embracing the idea that you squeeze the best out of life. Or indeed, that's why surf and life kind of run very nicely as metaphors for one another there. Is that you say, I'm going to squeeze everything I can out of what is presented to me. And I can't change it. You can't change the surf. You can make wave parks. That's one thing. But really, you say, well, I'm just going to play the hand that I get dealt on a daily basis. and I'm going to make the most of that hand. And when it comes to surfing, that can be different. The difference of having a great surf life and one that you are still just looking at it and going, oh, it's a bit shit today. You, you know, you, you're fully signed up. You're a badge carrier for the shit wave police. And you're like, well, <laughs> I've got a badge a great, and a gun. That would be a great yeah. T-shirt, dude. Yeah. And the T-shirt is a, is a cop. Like, you know, American style, yeah. you know, those navy blue yeah. NYPD shirts. Yeah. And it just says, shit wave police yeah. on, the, on the back. Can you hear the sound? Whoop, whoop. But it's, it is, isn't it's it? It's the sound of the shit wave police. Whoop, whoop. And then you go, well, therein lies the issue. You know, if you can't get the most out of it, then you're not going to get the most out of anything. Yeah. It's a negativity bias, isn't it? And a sort of almost a sort of shit wave loop. It just kind of keeps coming back and back and back. The waves will always be shit. If you look at it through the prism mm. of some kind of surf magazine, that's kind of the vibe that Ben puts out and that we've tried to follow as you go, right, mm. the waves are the waves. How am I going to get the most joy out of them? And life's life, right? So how am I going to get the most joy out of life? Because you might not have a life that is the surfing equivalent of living on the beach at Pipe, but that doesn't mean it's either insignificant or not to be enjoyed or embraced, is that mindfulness and surfing combined. And then you bring that into kind of like, how do you address your, your life on a daily basis? It's a reminder to enjoy all of those small things that make life what it is. And then when the really good stuff comes along, your senses are even more heightened to that good times. But in the full knowledge that they'll pass in the same way that the sort of softer and more boring or even sort of sad times will. So you kind of go, okay, I embrace that. That's part of surfing life and being a human. It doesn't mean that you won't get those people out there who are prone to incredible bouts of negativity around either of those things, mm. life and surf. So true. Uh, and it's trying to kind of make sure that you surround yourself with people that are kind of hooting and hollering and having a great time in half a foot windswell. So true. There's duality, as we know, in everything, and especially where people live for surf. Yeah. Because if you live in Hawaii, you get your surf season and you get Geez, they get waves in winter too on the south coast of, of Oahu and Maui and all these places. But generally, you can just surf 
and it pumps and you can rip and really progress your surfing and surf every day that we, you know, it's, you're in shorts, you've got long days uh, on the equator and all these kind of things. And everything's in your favor for surfing in these kinds of parts of the world. You name it, Australia, Central America, wherever, California, insert what you will. The thing with that is, as we know, humans adapt to their environment. That's what we do more than anything when we're in an environment. So we adapt to the environment, we adapt to the colors, we adapt to the smells. You know, how we feel, our senses of, of kinesiology yeah. within that environment, the sounds, like we adapt to our environment. And after a while, it becomes just the same old blue sky. That's how it works. It takes six months. There's been research on, yeah. endless research on this. So if it is pumping, 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 pumping surf all the time, eventually you wake up and go, oh, it's four feet cross shot. Nah, fuck it, I'll leave it. Well, argu- it's cross shot. Arguably, that's why we've got a bit of a cheat code into, there you go. into where we are now, like the Ben Gravies, because he's on the east coast of the US as well, is that because we ourselves are forced into making the most of, if we didn't make the most of what we got, we would have probably have a vaguely miserable surf life. Because so you'd be reading even the Carve magazine in the UK, or you'd be looking at Surfer's Path or whatever it is in YouTube and Instagram and all of those channels that will make you both inspired, but also very much in the fear of missing out. That Wow, why I've got to go live in Indo. And, oh, I've got to go and live for us. I even have it, you go to Cornwall for a few weeks and you, you know, you've got oh, golden sand and clear water and pumping waves at times. You're like, ah, oh, why we're living in... The, on the south coast you know but mm. but then you reset and you go oh because i'm appreciative for everything i love everything about where we we are and what we're given and we're blessed we're so lucky to have this stuff but it's easy to sort of slide off out into the comparison vortex because we're bombarded by it mm. um, and we go and experience it and you go and surf good waves like oh wow if i and it become an if kind of person if i had that mm. every day i'd be happy well the people who've got that every day aren't always happy because they've become conditioned to it. It would be a real work on if you had pumping waves all the time to keep your appreciation levels up. Yeah. Be serious work on that. You'd have to remain very mindful of what you have and also learn to sort of back off even on mm. pumping days. You know, there are places around the world that pump every day sometimes for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And if you lived right there and had the time, you'd have to just back off. You'd have to find a way of restoring that stoke and going again but yeah like you said where we are is a cheat code we're blessed where we are because it's it, by world standards it is why you even surfing it but for us but it keeps the hunger alive keeps hunger alive and then you have those almost magical you know that's the sea isn't it that's nature you're presented with unexpected gifts sometimes like today just before the show we had this little 40 minute session and some of the waves that threw themselves up were just magical they're not predicted they don't appear on the charts very much but you, there's a few sets come through and you've just been given a little, hey, there you go. That'll keep you going for a few weeks. Yeah. There's yeah. a nice ride there. Yeah, it was. And it was a lovely little surf. Yeah. It was a very classic kind of one we have, like little one to two feet, yeah. just trickling up onto the pebbles, a few little nose rides. And then, yeah, one fin down later, and here I am. <laughs> Moving on to segment number three, Mind, Body, Stoke. Things Liam and I have been working on are minds and bodies to raise a stoke. For me, being on holiday gave me an insight into how my body is engaged and in, in, in feeling around my fitness in relation to surfing, lifestyle, rest, recovery, all these kind of things. And what I found was, so I did way more stamina work. So I've got two young kids having to carry them around everywhere. And where we were, where we stay, 
when we go away, it's in the dunes. And so you're kind of going up and down steep dunes. And you, I mean, we're talking, I don't know how many miles of walking a day, five miles per day of walking with heavy objects and moving things around, carting water over here, they're everywhere because we don't have running water where we stay as well. So just an incredible amount of stamina work. And my, what I call base level of fitness seemed to really improve. And when I was in the water, I had more stamina between sets, between waves, et cetera. And it gave me a real insight to like, whoa, that kind of steady state cardio thing. Doing those, let's say, two or three longer walks a week where you do like maybe two, two and a half, three hour walks would be really, really nice. There's three main elements to fitness in life in general, but in surfing in particular is strength, stamina, and mobility. And it's trying to create a balance between all three. The hardest one for me in my lifestyle is putting in the stamina work because with my job, although I'm on my feet, training clients, being with clients, helping their fitness uh, and mindset, I don't have to walk around that much in that sense. You know, it'd be like being, you know, imagine being like a parking warden. You'd be walking around all day in that sense. But what I can work on is my mobility, which I do all the time. That's kind of, for me, my most important part of my fitness is the mobility so that I can do strength training and I can do stamina work. So it's kind of two things. It's one, I'm going to try and put in a little bit more base level cardio stuff over the next few weeks, keep that up and put in a few longer balls. But at the same time too, be realistic about the amount of time I've got in the week to be able to do that stuff. And so what we've got to do as humans is always kind of be able to kind of have that trade-off between what we can control and then what we can't. Having the courage to accept what we can control, or sorry, can't control, and having the grace to accept what we can. And so for me, it's like, yes, I get a lot of strength work in the week. I get a lot of mobility work. And looking at my schedule, I'm like, geez, how much more time would I need to be able to do you know, a long bike ride or you know, a long walk or a long run or whatever? And it would be tricky to fit in, but I will try to put that in. That's the thing with fitness. We've all got to do that thing of setting the goal of what can I do to get fitter and continue that journey, but at the same time accept that I can't do because of just time. Yeah. Time's the thing that we can't expand. We can't, we can't create more of it. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Well, I think that's it. You know, stamina is a big thing to work on for, for the paddles that we'll end, we'll end up facing in the, in the sort of uh, autumn to winter months here. Yeah. So it, it does become another thing. It's sort of, it's taken out of our surfing in the summertime, isn't it? Really, once you start to hit October through to March, stamina becomes part of our surf workout anyway, just by virtue of the kind of conditions we're paddling around it. So you start to build a little bit of that or back up over time. But walking's a lovely thing. It's a very mindful thing to do. Very mindful. Very mindful. Although I wasn't entirely always mindful. Because you got your kids with you. When I was having to suddenly have my son take a dump in the middle of the beach where there's about 5,000 people around me wondering what the hell are you doing? Because that's what the only place he wanted, he could poo and he wasn't, wanted to poo. Daddy, I, daddy, I need a poo now. Fuck. Um, right. Okay. So let's just dig a little hole and just hope that not all 5,000 are watching. And well, now you know how I feel when I go surfing with you. <laughs> that's true. There you go. You've had a taste of your own medicine. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. great. We didn't, even, we didn't even talk about that dude. Yeah. The, the wee wee in the van. We got stuck in traffic, didn't we? Back from the wave. Oh my God. The Bristol wave and I, well, do you know, like PTSD, I've actually tried to forget about it. I sometimes wake up <laughs> in a cold sweat, You're having nightmares. Shit, PTSD. Well, listen, listen, I like to be hydrated, yeah. as you well know. And I'd done a lot of fasting that day, hadn't really eaten. So it comes flying out. And we were driving home and I was like, shit, we, we were in pretty bad traffic. Yeah. I'm going to have to piss in my bottle. Yeah. I've got this big water can thing. That hope, I, I hope you haven't got it anymore. I don't know. I've still got it. Washed it out. It's only a bit of wee. It's fine. No way you're making that face. It's fine. But no, I just had to, I had to go. And thankfully, you were in your van, so I could sort of stand up a little bit. But then I kept looking over my shoulder into the people driving by and 
thankfully no one clocked to look. They wouldn't see much anyway. Not going to get no, much of a very look. good eyesight. Uh, <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> when you got to go, you got to go. That's how it works. Did you use the um, the Hiwi or whatever I bought? The Hiwi. <laughs> Hiwi is unopened as yet. No. But I need to, we don't need to do with it because you bought me a, a Hiwi. And to those of you listening going, what the fuck is a Hiwi? It's a little little male potty. P- Portaloo. Portaloo. I will bring it on our next trip where we might encounter traffic, dude. <laughs> it's got a nice funnel in it. It's got a sort of like a nice angle on it. And you sort of need to sort of like just, you know, just tip it in there. For the ladies, there's the Shiwi. Yeah, it's quite... It's of course. Yeah. And I'm just working out for a lady. If you were just in bad traffic and you had to go, how does it work? I don't know. Every car should have one. Every car should have one. I think cars... I think we've got more surfers, chance of being sponsored by the travel toilet than we have by lost surfboards. We definitely have. And I'm just thinking every van needs... Well, obviously, like a seat cover, right? goes without saying. You have your seat cover, job done. Keeps out the salt water, keeps out the piss. But what about keeping in the piss? Because you drive into the surf, you're bursting for a week. You're in traffic. You know how it is. You've had a coffee. You've had a bit of water. Surfers are really into their liquids, mate. It's a no well-known thing. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Pump, get right, surfing. There we go, we go. Stuck in traffic. So how about designing a seat that just soaks in piss? You just go mm. in the seat. Now, I know it might get a you, little you, bit smelly. You're on, you're on your own for Dragon's Den when you go up with that one. I think, <laughs> Shark I, tank. I think I'd get investment. I think yeah. in some way, shape or form, we'd have a little system where maybe there's a little hole there. So how many of these things do you expect to sell every year, Mr. Foster? Um, one <laughs> to me, to me, and I'll get a discount. <laughs> and I'm giving myself twenty yeah. percent discount yeah. with a special code called Piss Forty Five. Yeah. Type that into the. Oh, <laughs> uh, moving on, moving on, mate. Anything you want to share, mind body? I mean, just so- bo- body for me. Very quickly, we talked a few episodes ago about kind of kettlebells and the kind of adding them into our workouts and routines. And so I picked up a few kettlebells for my home workouts, and I'm obsessed now. They are so good. They feel so good. And particularly on the kettlebell swings and the squats. Turkish get-ups. And the Turkish get-ups. Yep. For working what regular listeners will know are my weaknesses, my legs, my pencil legs, and trying to strengthen the whole chain. I think it's particularly into the sort of glute hamstring strength so that my surfing, both stance and potential maneuverability gets better. So that's been a real uh, revelation. The problem, as always, for me, when I get new toys like this, is not overdoing it. Yeah. So you, you, they're just there, and they're, they're there for a reason, so I don't sort of get lazy and stop. But it means that I'm sometimes doing too many of them in a day or doing too many of them over the course of a week, and then I'm getting that sort of little bit of a burnout. But that's the thing, kettlebells. And I'll put a link. I found uh, a sort of Ornella Nicolosi She's a CrossFit, another, as if I am. She's a CrossFit, CrossFit athlete from France. And some of her kettlebell workouts are incredible. So I'll, I'll put a link to her stuff in there. Please do. And on kettlebells, it's really interesting. Cause it's like any training for surfers. One of the things that's really challenging with doing strength training, yeah. which is so important, it's the most important, aside from mobility, it's the most important work we could do as surfers because mm. it's keeping joints stable, which is preventing injury. But it's allowing you to get up and high into the lip and hang five, hang ten, and push the nose of your board up and around into maneuvers, your tail of your board. All the power and strength you need in surfing can be built on land. And of course, it can be when you surf as well. But if you only surf to improve strength and power in your maneuvers, you're never going to get to that next level because your body adapts. It's how it works. It's why you've got to keep mixing up your training on land. But it's this really interesting thing with surfers, which is they don't want to be sore. And I can attest to that too, because what soreness does, let's say, for example, you've got, a session you want to do on Monday, there's like a class you want to 
smash out. You want to push the legs, push the back, the core, all the muscles that get weak and, and sort of a bit stiff as we get older. Get those all fired up so that you can improve yourself. If there's a swell, not the next day, but the day after, because it's not really the next day that we're that sore. It's the day after that. It's like there's a delayed onset when it comes to muscle soreness from lunges, squats, jump lunges, you know, kettlebell swings, kettlebell snatches, Turkish get-ups, all these exercises we do that are so good for your surfing. It's being able to manage it around swells. And as we well know, swells just turn up. You know, we have this forecasting thing, which is very useful for our training because you can go, okay, well, there's a swell there. I've got time off work then. I can train there. And that's a really smart way of doing Mm. your training for surfing. I, I always recommend people have at least two days out from a good swell you know, before their last session of, of strength training. But that's often not how it goes. Yeah. And in a way, what you've got to do as a surfer is go through a stiffer period mm. in your surf life, a few weeks, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, because your body then will eventually adapt and you won't be anywhere near as stiff. And then you really can implement it into your training week and still surf, let's say, the next day or the day after and it not have too much of a... Of a I mean, I've trained a lot of surfers myself and I'm a surfer, obviously, as well. And... It's a thing that we're all trying to work through. But in the end, you've kind of got to go through it. You've got to go through that stiffer period. Come out the other side by week four, week five. And the rest of your, you know, your surfing performance will just take off. It's the most important thing is improving that yeah. leg strength, core strength, and then, and then leg stability and core stability. Those two elements around the glutes, the lower part of the core, the hamstrings, the quads, um, your posture. All those elements really are, I think, the most important thing in, in helping someone get better at surfing, other than pure technicalities on a surf skate or having a surf yeah. coach there or whatever, dot, yeah. dot, dot. You've done so well on that, dude. And I, I can definitely see that your cutbacks are better now that your glutes are stronger mm-hmm. and firing better. Because you always used to crouch really, really low. Yeah. You're quite a rare specimen when it comes to your, how you move. You're very, very mobile through the hip mm-hmm. and ankle. So you squat down incredibly low. Mm-hmm which is often the case that people can't do that at all. But what that did was meant that you really overused your, your front of your legs, just your quads. Yeah. And they're very small muscles. Mm. These little muscles that we have around the knee, they're not where we get our big maneuvers yeah, from. Absolutely. The big maneuvers are from hamstrings, glutes, lower back, core, all these bigger muscles up the back of the legs. In order to get those firing, you've got to really have someone see how you move. And yeah. when I was watching you move, you wouldn't tilt your pelvis. It would kind of go under itself. You would really just lean on your knees on your quads when you squatted so that's really improved and i can see that's that's had a huge impact on your yeah it makes a big difference on on your training your weaknesses isn't it that's it get your weakness and train it it's hard and it bashes your ego again yeah oh shit even the micro improvements are good and you know as we said in when we recorded the last show it's if you can then compare yourself because that's where to not look at other people and what they're doing is you get the technique there but you you basically say am i better than i i was than liam was last week yeah right now we're getting somewhere so you, you do those gains, those kind of pitch yourself against yourself. And as long as you can see improvements in that, then you know you're getting better. But if you look at what, you know, Italo Ferreira's doing and what you're doing, you're always going to be a bit upset. Whereas if you look at what you're doing versus what you're doing the second week or the third week, you can really make some significant gains that you should be happy with. Well said, my friend. There we go. Last segment, segment number four, Surf Media Insight. Anything you want to share? I've got a little thing I want to share, but go on. Go on, just a super quick one from me. And I know we, we bang on about the sort of lost surfboards and, we, you know, we are not sponsored by anybody this show. This is just a show where we talk about things that we like or we've seen or we're into. But I watched Mason Ho surfing the new Round Nose Fish 96. It's an old new board release from uh, Matt Biolos and the, the Lost Factory. 
you know, there's not really any dialogue in it. It's just Mason and this other guy uh, ripping. I think they're in Indonesia into some amazing waves and the board looks great. The stoke levels and the joy, and that's what I like. You know, Mason Ho's another surfer who is surfing ridiculous waves. How he stays in one piece over the rocks and things like that he surfs across. But he's always having a good time. He's just like still a kid, isn't he? He's like your local most stoked grom there could be, but he's surfing the best waves in the best way and seemingly having the best time. But he, I mean, he's from a surfing dynasty, isn't he? With De- his uncle Derek and Mike Ho and uh, his sister Coco, but they just all have always looked like they're having a great time. But I love watching Mason Ho surf and that board looks amazing. Would love to try it. He, I think, is the most watchable surfer on the planet. It's exciting, isn't he? You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's incredibly uh, creative uh, and unbelievably powerful his yeah. body and what he can do and and his agility and it's just amazing he he is a flea he's a human flea yeah. he sort of just can flip upside down under the lip the barrel stand back up i've seen him fall off before yeah. in the barrel yeah. grab his board without getting his face smashed in half yeah. and, with an eight foot lip go, and yeah. then stand back up in the barrel yeah. like what are you and so that's why it's so important not to go oh gee well you know I want a bit of it because it, it's this comparison thing so easy to do. What I think is really cool to do, though, is be able to take that inspiration and put that into your yep. surf life. And dare we try and kind of recreate it, but certainly just take that juice, that energy. Yeah. It's all about energy. Yeah. Take that mason, like, just froth well, he, and put it into your surfing. He's, I wouldn't say he's the only surfer, but he's the surfer for me that looks as well like he's at one yeah. with the, the water. He is part of that wave when he's surfing the wave, even when he falls off. I mean, even when he's surfing gnarly stuff that no person in their right mind would think about surfing, like because of the rocks that are around. He's a, he's a rock hopper, isn't he? You know, he's like that. He almost seems like he is invincible because he's part of the thing. He's just like one piece of this wave. And therefore, he's able to surf stuff that mere mortals like me is looking at and going, wow. But he's like Ben Gravy. He seems to just be laughing all the time and yep. having a great time. Not taking it too seriously. It's a good guy. The WSL had a contest in Mexico on a right point break that's online at the yeah. moment. I've been watching that, just reruns. And um, the wave is absolutely stunning. It's not too powerful. It's not just constantly throwing the lip. It's certainly not weak either. It's a shallow bottom. So I think sand bottom, maybe. Water's blue, water's warm, surfing in boardies and just laying down huge hacks, calves and the occasional barrel section, which just keeps you interested, keeps you fired up and, and, and just looking at it and going, gee, you know, let's firstly, obviously not compare, but also secondly, have the ambition to surf around the world in these types of places where you can get the waves of your life genuinely. Mm. And have that ambition in you. That hasn't gone in me at, at all. But since this whole time with, with, with COVID, um, there's no doubt that that would have had a serious implication on a number of surfers in, in that travel lifestyle. Yeah. And even if you have got savings that you want to spend on trips, that it just isn't possible. And I think it's about accepting just the way the world is like that at the moment. And um, it will return. You will be able to go and do all that kind of stuff again. But at the same time, you know, be kind to yourself if you ever have one of those moments where you're like, Jesus, I... I really want to get out of this country and I want to go somewhere else because it's so understandable. It is. But it's accept and embrace. Accept and embrace. Guys, thanks for joining good us. Good to be back, and Good Will. to be back. Thanks for that. That We had a little break there. It's our first yeah. sort of two-week break ever, yeah, I think, from the show. And I think we're going to put the shows out Mondays from now on. Mondays from now on. 
And yeah, we're excited to bring you more Stoke. Yes. Hopefully. See you next week. Cheers, guys. Bye.